0: This morning. You'll want to find your place there in the Gospel of John. We are going to be drawing to a conclusion this morning, one of the great chapters of the Bible. We are going to be drawing to a conclusion chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. Perhaps no chapter in the Bible is more evangelistic than chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. Now this morning we're going to do a little something different. We don't normally do this. As you can see, the morning's kind of been different. Several times after the men in black have sung, I wanted to get up to preach because the choir always sings first and then we always have the special second. And so sometimes it's hard. We tend to be creatures of habit, don't we, Brother Andy? Well, we're going to do something a little different today. Different is, is not a bad thing, but we're going to start at the end of the chapter and we're going to work our way backwards. Now, I know that's not how we usually deal with Scripture, but for today, we're going to do that, and I want to do it for a very important reason. We are going to begin reading in verses 31 through 36, and I want to share with you three truths that are in that passage of Scripture, three truths that we're going to look at more closely later on in the Gospel of John. So I just want to allude to them this morning, and then we're going to jump back to verse 22. I know this is probably confusing, and we're going to read a very important story there. We're going to read a story about John the Baptist, and pretty much after this story in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist kind kind of moves off the scene. We're not going to hear a whole lot more from him except for when he is arrested and beheaded For his faith but we're going to look at this one story and I think through that story verses 22 through 30 God is going to challenge us in his word today really that's what my hope is I want God to challenge our way of thinking I think sometimes it's so easy for us to find ourselves thinking like the world thinks and we allow that to come into our life and begin to even affect the decisions and choices that we make isn't that true Yes, I believe that is so true, but I think that God is going to challenge us in his word this morning, and this is how he's going to challenge us. He's going to challenge us in the area of becoming a spiritual giant, becoming a spiritual giant. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I think God's word is going to challenge us in that area this morning. So let's begin reading here in verse 31. I'm going to read, I'm going to share three truths that we see from this passage, and then we're going to jump back to verse 22. Verse 31, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Now we need to pause right here because I want you to understand who it is that the gospel writer John is speaking about. The pronoun there very clearly refers to Jesus Christ. If we had started in verse 22 and read through verse 30, that would have been very clear to us. But when he's using the pronoun he, he is referring to Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 32. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Spirit and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Did you hear that very last part of that passage of Scripture? The very clear teaching of God's Word is this, to be apart from Christ is to have the wrath of God on you. This is a truth that we find throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, Paul opens his letter to the church at Rome with those words that those who do unrighteous things are living under the wrath of God. One of the things we need to understand this morning is either you are in Christ or you're not in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you are living under the wrath of God. In other words, you have deliberately set your ways against God. You are under His wrath. Now, I know that's not a popular message in the world in which we live in today but I want you to hear me say something. It is the truth of God's Word. But at the same time, I also want us to understand for those who find themselves in that condition, there is hope. And our hope is in Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for our sins at the cross. And if a person is just willing to look up to Jesus Christ and trust in Jesus Christ we'll be made right with God. We'll no longer be under the wrath of God. Now let me just give you three truths very quickly that we see in this passage of Scripture. Three truths that we will look at more closely as we travel through the book or the Gospel of John. First, Jesus came down from heaven. And as a result, He brought heaven to us. He brought heaven to us. Did you hear what John said about Jesus Christ in this passage of Scripture? He tells us where Jesus Christ came from. He tells us Jesus Christ came from heaven. As a matter of fact, in chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, we're going to see Jesus Christ make that statement about Himself seven times in about ten verses, and we're going to look at it a lot closer when we get to that particular text. The second truth, Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Did you hear what he said here in verse 34? For he whom God has sent into the... uh, I'm sorry, for he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives... I'm sorry, it's verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. This is the exact words that Jesus Christ used about himself in the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so I send you. Over and over in the Gospel of John, one of the things that the religious leaders are doing is they're challenging the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember when we looked at the story where Jesus Christ cleanses the temple? By whose authority do you do such an act, was the question of the religious leaders. Do you remember that? We live in a world that is constantly challenging the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, listen to me very carefully here, Christian, because this is a note you, you'll want to make a note of. You're, just, you're going to want to understand this. When we choose to live outside God's will for our lives, we are challenging the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. You know that, right? I hope you realize it. You're setting yourself up against Jesus Christ when we choose to live in that way. Number three. Third, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit abundantly. Go back to verse 34. I read that for a moment ago when I should have been reading verse 35. For he who has sent, I'm sorry. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The word of measure there means abundantly. You know the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. There's much confusion about that in the world in which we live in. The book, the Gospel of John, speaks extensively about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer in chapters 14 through 16. And when we get there, we're going to dive head first in what it truly means to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. So now we're going to jump back to verse 32. I'm sorry, verse 22. We're going to jump back to verse 22. And this morning, I'm going to speak to you for a few moments about becoming a spiritual giant. Now... When you hear those two words, spiritual giant, what is the first name that comes to your mind? I have to be careful when I ask questions like this. I got an answer in the first service. And the young man said Goliath. And so... (laughs) He was a spiritual giant, but he was with the wrong spirit. Let me say that. He opposed God. That's not the kind of spiritual giant I'm talking about this morning. I want to bring some clarification. In my own life, you know, there are men and women that have had great influence upon my life that when I hear their names or I see them in person, I think of them as being spiritual giants. They really exemplify what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you have any people like that in your life? I think we all do. Well, let me ask you this. What about the Bible? When you hear the terms or the two words, spiritual giant, who comes to your mind? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you think of Abraham, or you think of Moses, or David, or Elijah the great prophet, or maybe Isaiah. Or maybe in the New Testament you think about Peter, like I mean, people like Peter or Paul. Or maybe the, one of the other 12, or Stephen, or Timothy, or Titus, the name could go on and on. And I surely don't want to leave out the women, because there are a lot of great women, spiritual women, in the Word of God. Great women of faith. In the Old Testament, I think about people like Hannah. What about Rahab? We don't always think about her being a great spiritual giant, do we? But there's Esther, and there's Hannah. In the New Testament, what about the mother of Mary? Or how about Lydia? The grandmother and the mother of Timothy. How about that? You ever thought about as a grandparent, you still have a very significant role to play spiritually in the life of your grandchildren? Yeah you do. You have an opportunity to influence them spiritually in a very positive way. Now this is the point that I want to make. We oftentimes look at people like those that I have mentioned and we say, wow, those people were great men and women of God. They indeed were spiritual giants. And then the very next thought that comes to our mind is, I can never be like one of them. Isn't that true? Yeah. Oftentimes, that is the thought that comes to our heart and our minds. But can I suggest something to you this morning? That is not true. Every follower of Jesus Christ can be just like one of them. Nowhere in the New Testament are we ever presented with different tiers of Christianity. As though there is someone, some that are here on one tier, and then there's a whole nother tier, and then there's another tier, and then there's this upper tier, and all of those there are spiritual giants, and those on the bottom can never get here. That is not scriptural. That is not true. Nowhere is that found in God's Word. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this morning, every single follower of Christ is called to die to self and be a spiritual giant for Jesus Christ. When we were called into a relationship with Him, we were called to die to self and live unto Christ. Our life is hidden in Christ Jesus. That is a call that goes to every single person's life regardless. Regardless. Now what I would like to do this morning is to add one more name to that list today. This is the name that I would add to that list. John the Baptist. Would you agree with me? Would you agree when you look at the record of John the Baptist in the Bible that he indeed was a great spiritual giant for the Lord? I mean, listen to the words of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ said, There is no man that has ever been born unto woman who was like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a spiritual giant among Men used by God in a great and a powerful way for the purpose of furthering His kingdom and announcing the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being given the privilege of announcing the arrival of God in the human flesh to the world? Can you imagine that? That's exactly what John did. So this morning, I want us to look at this story about John the Baptist. And I believe the writer of the gospel, John, is going to reveal to us some keys to becoming a spiritual giant. And I want God's Word to challenge us this morning. Please hear me when I say this today. As I share the words and I share this story, please, please just be mindful of the fact I share with words that challenges me as much as you. And I share them out of love and out of grace because I think this is where God wants to challenge every one of us in our relationship with Him. Part of following Jesus Christ is not remaining where we are, but it is going deeper in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is calling all of us to go deeper with Him. Would you agree with me on that today? Yes. He doesn't want us to remain where we're at. He wants us to become all that we can be in Christ Jesus the Lord. So I want to give you three keys to becoming a spiritual giant this morning. The first one is this. To become a spiritual giant, you will have to rejoice at the success of others. To become a spiritual giant, you will have to rejoice at the success of others. Or maybe we could say it this way. You will have to slay the green-eyed monster of jealousy that is in all of our lives. We will have to choose to lay that aside in our lives. Now I want you to see the context of this story because it's a great story. What has happened here is this. Jesus Christ's popularity is growing. And more people are now going to Jesus than to John to be baptized where Jesus' ministry is taking place. Now this raises a concern among the followers of John. So they come to John and they raise this question to John. John, basically what they're saying is, what are you gonna do about it? John, if you're not careful, you're going to have no more followers. What was the problem with the followers of John? This was their problem. They had grown jealous of Jesus Christ and the ministry that he had jealousy the green-eyed monster that lays underneath the surface of every one of our hearts isn't it true let me give you a working definition of jealousy this morning. Jealousy is resentment at someone else's success or favor. When someone gets promoted at the job or has a shinier car or a bigger home or when someone has more friends or they make the first string on the sports team at school or the cheer squad and you think to yourself, that should have been me. That is jealousy. That's jealousy. Ever had any of those thoughts? Can I make a suggestion to you this morning? Jealousy's even alive and well in God's church. I know that's probably shocking. I can see the shock on y'all's face this morning. But it's the reality of the truth, isn't it? I have been in the ministry over 26 years of my lifetime. In my years in the ministry, I have known people who were upset that they didn't get to sing enough solos. They were upset because their name was left off the list of names that was mentioned at the front of the church. Or they're upset because they didn't get chose to serve in a certain position. Jealousy. There is no room for jealousy in the lives of of God's people I want you to listen to how John uh, responds in this story it is a great response now discussion verse 20 I'm sorry let's go to verse 22 after this Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean uh, countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing John also was baptizing at eating near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Verse 25, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing, unless it is given to him from heaven. Let me read that verse one more time and just listen to it very carefully. John answered, A person cannot even receive one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Let's read the rest of it. You yourselves bearing witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and bears and I'm sorry, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. I must get smaller and smaller and smaller, and he must get bigger and bigger and bigger in my life. Did you hear how John responded to his followers in this passage of scripture? John rejoiced at the fact that Jesus Christ had come. As a matter of fact, he says, my joy is complete. Now think about this for a moment. Can you imagine, just for a second, try to picture this with me. Can you imagine what God's church would be like if every single person found joy in how God was choosing to use the other parts of the body to bring honor and glory to his name? Can you see that picture for a moment, what it would be like in God's church? Spiritual giants are those who rejoice at the success of others. They are willing to lay aside their jealousies for the building up of God's church and the advancement of His kingdom. Spiritual giants are people who rejoice with the success of others. Now, when I say that, I want you to understand something very important. It happens with people who are on staff at churches as well. I've seen petty jealousies among staff members in churches. I hope and pray that is never true of Brother Andy and I or any other staff member that we have here at Crestwood. Where we began to be jealous of one another because we feel as though one person's ministry is more important than my ministry. I've seen this among pastors where one guy pastors some large church and another guy pastors some small church and the large church is reaching large numbers of people and the small church is struggling to just stay afloat to keep their head above water and jealousy is created between the pastors. Just let me clearly say this morning as God's people, there is no place for jealousy in our lives. We are not in competition with one another we are not we're not in competition with one another I'm not in competition with other pastors in Lumberton or Coons I'm I'm not real sure where we are I'm confused about that at times (laughs) we have a, a Coons physical address and a Lumberton post office box the reason brother Andy and I were confused we're confused brother But listen, we're not in competition with anyone else. For me, it's all about furthering God's kingdom. Oh my goodness, it is five minutes after 12. (laughs) I did not realize that. Quickly, let me give you two other keys so we can finish this passage. The second key is this. The second T, to becoming a spiritual giant, you will have to recognize all that you are and all that you have comes from God and belongs to Him. Did you hear what John said in this passage of Scripture? John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. So this is what I want you to do. Everybody just take a step back. I want you to take a deep breath. That was granted to you by heaven this morning. It was granted. And you know what? The other five breaths that you have taken in the time I've been speaking with you since then, they were all granted. There is no such animal as a self-made millionaire. None of us have any capability to do anything in our life if the hand of God is not on us. The sad thing is, there are Christians who never, ever understand this. They never get to the point where they are willing to say, my time, my talents, my gifts, my finances, everything in my life belongs to Jesus Christ. And the simple question I must constantly be asking myself is this, how do I use it to bring honor and glory to God's name? That's the question. You don't own it. I don't own it. We will leave this world with the same we entered this world and that is absolutely nothing we won't you'll carry nothing out of this world with you in a practical way this is what it means now listen to me very carefully that means who i choose to marry the profession i choose how i use the money i have the place i live is determined by god not by me now some of you may be saying well i'm a preacher that's extreme that's crazy but i will tell you that is biblically true Uh, abraham you go and i'll tell you when you get to where you need to be at and you'll live there is that what god told abraham oh well he was on a different level than me no he wasn't he was a spiritual giant that we've all been called to be isaac i'll give you the wife i want you to have hey you know what Jonah, I'm telling you to go over there and preach to Nineveh and if you don't do it, I'm going to discipline you. And he was swallowed by the whale because he didn't do what God told him to do. It was his profession. You see? Solomon, I'm going to give you great riches so that I can bring honor and glory to me, is what God said. But oftentimes, we don't allow God to make those decisions for us in life. We just assume, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Isn't that true? Yeah. Without any concern of God and what He wants to do in and through me. I told you it was going to be one of those challenging messages this morning. Because when I look at New Testament Christianity, there was a call to radical abandonment to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ continues to preach the same sermon over and over again to people. Do you know what he preaches to them? There is a cost in following me. No one builds a tower if they don't first consider the cost. You must consider the cost in following me. We have completely removed that out of Christianity in America today. We have removed it. Christianity in America today is narcissism. We have made man the pinnacle of Christianity. It is no longer God. To the place now where I can just choose ever how I want to live and still be called a great Christian. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a great challenge for us in Scripture, isn't there? Yeah a call for us to radically abandon ourselves. You will never be a spiritual giant until you recognize all that you are and all that you have belongs to God. Number three, the third third key to becoming a spiritual giant, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. That's exactly what John said in this passage of Scripture. That should be the motto of every single believer today. I must become smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where I can no longer be seen, and Jesus must become larger and larger and larger. So when people look at me, is all they see is Jesus all over me. You know what the word Christian means? Little Christ. That's what it means. Did you know that? That's what the word means. Little Christ. Now, the question we must ask ourselves this morning is this How can this happen in our life? The answer to that question is found in two verses. In Colossians, the third chapter, verses two and three, Paul wrote, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did you read that there? You have died died so let me just take uh, uh, this example for a moment all right what rights does a dead person have I mean can a dead person make choices well I want to be buried over here I don't really want to be buried over there I know we can put that in a wheel but that doesn't always even happen at that time Uh, Well, uh, I want to choose to do this. I don't want to choose to do that. What rights does a dead person have? None, right? They're a dead person. Isn't that true? Yeah. So this is what I want you to say to yourself this morning. I am dead. Say that. I am dead because that's what scripture says you're dead I'm dead I have no opinions you have no opinions is I have no rights you have no rights only Christ in us is what scripture says my life is hidden with Christ do you see that there now I know you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking because when I hear that I'm going to say man that's that's completely radical isn't it it is But I will tell you, that is the life we are called to in Christ. I won't hide that. It's the truth of Scripture. How do I decrease and let Jesus increase in my life? By having an eternal perspective. Paul said, set your mind on things above. An eternal perspective says, what matters most is what matters to God, not to me. To become a spiritual giant, we will have to put away earthly thinking. And we'll have to ask God to transform our thinking. We will no longer be able to live for self, living for the here and now, building our own personal little kingdoms here on earth. I must decrease in order for Him to increase in my life. That is the call of Scripture. I think this sermon is maybe best summed up in an old hymn that we used to sing in churches. We don't sing it very much anymore. But it was a hymn that I was thinking of this morning when I came to my office when I was thinking about this message. I want you to listen to the words of it. It's entitled, Take My Life and Let It Be. This is what the writer says, Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to Thee, take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. That is the essence of what it means to be a spiritual giant. The essence of being a spiritual giant is when we get off the throne of our life and we let Jesus Christ take his rightful position in our hearts and lives. We are all called to be a spiritual giant in the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of whether we are called or not. It matters our response to the call. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks into our hearts and into our lives. Father, I'm grateful that your word challenges me to examine my life. And I pray this morning that each one of us would take the opportunity to examine our lives in relationship to who we are in you and where we are. Father, I pray that your spirit would just continue to work in our hearts and our lives in whatever manner you choose.